Hi, I'm Anna Burt, and I'm Sue's daughter. Hi, I'm Emily Benito. I'm Trudy's daughter. Though our mums are both dead, the fact doesn't change. We're both adapting to living our lives without our mums, and know we are very much not the only ones. We have joined forces to create a podcast in the hope that we can provide what we feel we needed and still need in our grief. The mothership, the mother load. There's no getting around that mother means something big. There are so many different kinds of mother, biological, step, figure, and so many different kinds of grief when they're gone. We're here to do what we can in podcast form, welcoming guests so we can explore our experiences together, where they converge and where they vary, and, hopefully, understand a little more about the nuance and scope of The The Mother mother of All Losses. I'm smiling at you. I can see your face. Makes me smile. How is your grief today? Uh, well, friendly. Happy season three day. We're glowing. <laughs> um, my grief. Well, it's been a while since we've recorded, so um, I've been through. I've been through many feelings of grief. My grief today is um, completely. I haven't really thought about it apart because um, I was just talking to you before we hit record that um, I've got really fucking horrible hay fever, like ugly hay fever. Um, I've also like broken out in acne and also just had my second AstraZeneca jab so I feel like shit. I haven't even, I forgot that I was even grieving. Um, it was, it was, it was a passive grief. Um, but over the last couple of months, it's been interesting. I had a real, real blip when I went to go and visit my dad in Yorkshire, and um, it was legal. And um, basically, I just really, really struggled when I got back because I felt completely adrift and like alone. And it wasn't like you know we were both working when we were there, so it wasn't like we were living in each other's pockets and having really meaningful conversations or whatever. I just like really, really missed the feeling of having someone there and feeling kind of parented and overlooked and I came back and I was like oh yes it's just me again and it absolutely sent me sideways so I felt really really bad for quite a while and just I didn't really want to talk to anyone or talk about it um, and just went into a real pit of self-pity um, until I emerged the beautiful hay fever <laughs> snotty butterfly um, and I've been fine since and I celebrated my birthday and um, we talk about birthdays quite a lot here and some people find them really difficult and they find them like a real grief landmark but I absolutely love my birthday and I had a while of a time so um, I'm still basking in that glow um, <laughs> the attention seeking glow um, but yeah I mean to be honest in general not not too bad you know I didn't even you know what I don't even really thought I thought about it around on or around my birthday anymore but bearing in mind this is my eighth birthday since my mum died so I remember there have been birthdays when I was like oh I wish my mum was here and of course it goes without saying that I wish she was there but it doesn't sting anymore it's just I'm just glad to be alive well that's a beautiful kind of resounding I, I don't think you could get much more of a holistic experience of grief than that really in terms of what you've been through in our between season hiatus and yeah I remember talking to you about it at the time and that shift of going from being really kind of beholden and just it doesn't even have to be 
that kind of full on attention. I think there's something quite subtle about just being somewhere that you don't have to be in control of or, or like overseeing at all. And like, I find this, I feel like some people, I totally get it, can't sleep well in hotels. I mean, obviously this is well before reason, you know, recent events, but anytime I slept away, I just sleep so much better. And I think it's because as much as I love being an independent, self-sufficient gobshite, I also really like being looked after. And there are very few opportunities to be looked after as an adult. And they're all kind of, the, the majority of them are barriers to entry from whether you can afford them or if you've got friends who are kind of available to let you stay. So no, I uh, I feel you. And you told me that really reassuring story about a friend of yours who went to stay in a, was it, and went to stay in a hotel and came back and their bed had been turned and they got like flooded with grief because it just made them feel kind of watched and held and looked after. And I just really relate to that. And it, you know, I mean, my bed wasn't being turned, but you know, dad made dinner sometimes or I made dinner or we had a cup of tea in the morning or something like that. And, and that's not a loneliness thing. That's a being looked after thing. And I find it quite difficult to allow myself to be looked after on a day-to-day because I'm so obsessed with being strong and independent and vivacious. Oh, and you, you know, all of those things out of the park, you are. Sounded like Yoda then. But at the same time, my grammar hasn't got any better between seasons. Apologies, everyone. But it's that it's someone anticipating your needs which I think is fundamentally such a maternal thing and a parental thing that's really hard to get elsewhere. And that's why acts of kindness always make you and I cry. Oh, I can't cope with it. Mm. Uh, I can't think about it, actually. I get weeping. Um, how is your grief? Has your beef, beef green? How's your beef green? My beef green and, and ham. Um such a good question and it's interesting to have an opportunity to not only talk about my grief today but consider my grief in a kind of arbitrary period which is us between seasons and I think looking back at this chunk I had um, a big piece of freelance work that took a lot more of my time and energy than I anticipated And it was what you said to me at the time, which was, God, when you're stressed, it really comes up, doesn't it? I was like, yeah, it totally does. Because the number of times where I honestly could have just done with ranting down the phone to Trude's or like getting away to her house in Helensborough and her making me a cup of tea and us just watching the sea together. And I think it's because I'm still really bad at like really giving myself permission to do those things like solo so that was a weird one and it's you know what my grief today has been pretty quiet because I think there is something about the present whether it's physically like everything you're going through Anna because what a fucking doozy to have all at once but I think it's also sometimes the sheer kind of immersion in other stuff which can be a great coping mechanism and grief management technique to just like really be in the present moment and like do what you need to do. So I was just like trying to get my uh, my head down with some work. But 
also I think the biggest like grief sort of spasm I've had over the past couple of months is I was renewing my home insurance just the glamour truly never stops and it was just this weird thing of kind of oh this is something that I never really spoke with mum about but in terms of us being adults together you know we had like a really short space of time when I think about it and I mean she died when I was 28 that's barely being an adult really but just thinking like god it would have been so amazing to be able to kind of sit with her like and my and my partner his dad celebrated his birthday this year he and my mom have the same birth year so it was just like oh yeah all these little reminders and just thinking I'm not going to be able to be 40 and sit next to Trudes and us talk about being like adults and that and that kind of fear of like gosh she's only going to ever have known me as this like incredibly scatty 28 year old instead of a slightly less scatty 31 year old who has renewed her home insurance and like the amount of like sort of I wouldn't say house proudness but at least just like bare minimum housework that I do now oh she'd laugh she would laugh and laugh and laugh and I I want to hear her but I have to do I have to rely on what's in my head so yeah just not particularly pertinent but then like it's of course it is it's still there and like trying to say to my partner's mum who lost her mum at the top of the pandemic and her going to a funeral of another friend who was at the same crematorium that her mum was that hasn't been able to be a funeral for the grandma all this kind of stuff and her being like yeah I just it just really got to me because you know because my mum and I was like yeah of course and like gave her a big hug and it was really nice to be there for her and this kind of solid thing but also like it, there doesn't need to be a thing that sets it off it's a fact that they're dead and that fact is just you, you don't need to be reminded of it there's just something that brings it to the surface so kind of rolling with that I guess is how I am today and and always from this point out <laughs> it's a funny thing isn't it because it, this is an expression that's often used when people lose a spouse is um that you cannot grow old together but I think that that also applies with mothers and that you know, I completely absolutely I mean just the joy of you know because you know I was I was we're 21 no one was none of, none of my friends had kids or anything like that but now quite a lot of them do or they're all having them or, or doing grown-up things and and I feel like I want to talk to that about I want to talk about that with her and ask her how she felt about that when she was my age and you know like have those conversations about grown-up things and also like how did you do your tax return <laughs> that would be nice actually here is one of my favorite Trude's tidbits um a little jingle played in my head for that. <laughs> you know what? That actually was to the sound of Goldfinger because I was <laughs> pointless before we recorded. The self-employed touch. Well, she would always talk about the dreaded value-added tax or VAT and she would have a, a VAT, which was a vodka and tonic as she did it. So those two things are like forever forged in my mind. And I think that's a beautiful way. I mean, you know, 
Trees was a very moderate drinker. She would have one, but I think it was quite strong. I absolutely love that. And that feels like quite a nice round moment for you to bring on our guest, Emily. Who have we got today? I'm so excited to get uh, my pal and soon to be yours, Rachel Irving, assistant producer, and many other things. You know, we're not just, you know, (laughs) defined by our occupations. But still, Rach, hello. How is your grief today? Hello. Um, do you know, it's so funny because I was thinking about this before I came on there. And I think my grief is very prominent, very present at the moment, which is interesting because a lot of the time it's not. So right now is approaching my mum's 11-year death anniversary. Um and 11 years doesn't seem as big as what 10 did but around this time it's obviously like you obviously think about it loads but on top of that um I am in a kind of fairly new relationship and what comes with that is asking about families and asking about all this kind of stuff so I've been doing a lot of talking about dead mum at the moment (laughs) and it's really brought it up for me like it's really brought things to the surface, things that I do not speak about very often because 11 years down the line, you tend not to. Um, so yeah, my grief is actually pretty strong at the moment, I would say. Is this one of your first, like more significant relationships after she died? No, probably probably the kind of second time this has happened um, since she died, um, but definitely one, almost like the this time I want to do it differently mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like I think I've got older and I don't want it to be like a taboo subject or anything like that you know I don't want them to feel like they can't ask me things or get to know me in, in that and that side of me like you know so yeah it's been it's been an interesting experience talking to you just now is weird timing maybe something about Mercury and retrograde <laughs> oh I'm <laughs> Is that a record of uh, how soon we've managed to get astrology <laughs> into the podcast? Truths oh, please, I love me. this stuff. Oh. oh, I've been learning. So um, just just as a quick side note before we go back into our um, questions. So Emily's been trying to educate me, as is my friend Kit. Um, and the other day I turned around to Kit and she was telling me about a birth chart or something. I said, you know what? I just really like people that are born in the summer. <laughs> He was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. I am a fellow Gemini. <gasps> whoop, whoop, whoop. Happy birthday. Thank and, you. Ina, is it coming? It was on Tuesday. Well, did you have, how do you find your birthday? Fine, normally. I I, I tend to have a slight moment, um, but normally in the middle of the day at some point, and I let myself have it, and then I move on. Because I love my birthday and I really, really enjoy it. And I want to enjoy it, don't get me wrong. Um, But again, that kind of comes with, it comes with a lot of, it brings up a lot because it was very close to the time that my mum died and she was very sick over my 15th birthday. She died very quickly after it. And then when I was 15, she died. So then that all kind of comes together with, you know, your age and where you were at and your birthday. And she was in the hospital and... So there's like, yeah, it comes with it comes with some territory for sure. The birthday thing. 
gets easier. Can I ask, Rachel, if you don't mind, and absolutely feel free to disregard this, but when you said, I let myself have that moment, like when that comes to you, I think what I found with grief a lot is like in trying to sort of let people find their own way, sometimes the language is vague to the point where it's like, I'm not really sure what I've I've said to this person. And I was wondering if you could sort of explain how you let yourself have that moment like practically is it a case of kind of saying oh I'll be right back and taking yourself to the bathroom is it kind of doing something to kind of like lean into and engage with your mum or am I way off no you're not I think um if I'm being brutally honest what tends to come up is that kind of like lack of mum in your birthday um that's normally and, and when I remember and when I realize that then because you know dads are great but they're a little hopeless sometimes a little useless sometimes and don't quite obviously have that mother in touch um so a lot of the time you get that kind of moment of poor me I don't have mum and it's like it doesn't matter how old you are I think you always have that kind of moment and um that tends to be when I remember and then I say to myself all right well you know have a, what would be different if she was here and I let myself think about it for a second I let myself wallow in it and I'm not I'm not a big believer in switching it off I can but I try not to and that's something that's come with time as well um but yeah I think I just I don't push it away because I think then sometimes it comes back worse so I'm like all right that's fine you can be upset for a sec I actually for the first time this year had a couple of tears which was actually quite dramatic for me. <laughs> like, um, and I don't know if it's because of what's been going on this year or just like maybe it's put everything in perspective in a lot of ways, you know, with kind of what's important and what's not and who's important to you and everything like that. You know, it's kind of, I've really slowed down in the last year and it's it's brought up a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah, I think... Um, uh, the tears were new quite maybe I'm grown up I'm just kind of but I was happy with them I was happy with the tears and I was able to kind of be like what would she have wanted and it was definitely to go and get a drink stop your whining I'm <laughs> <laughs> along those lines Rachel uh, uh, a proper question is how did your mum live can you introduce us to your mum what's her name sure um, her name is Marion. Um, she was something. <laughs> she was. Um, I always like to describe her as the kind of life and soul. Yeah. So um, very much centre of attention. If she was in the room, you knew about it. Um, she was loud and was always singing. Was very rarely without a glass of red wine in her hand. Um, just try to paint the paint the picture here. Um, and yeah, loved loved a party, loved a holiday, just lived her best life. She was amazing. She's sorely missed. <laughs> I was going to, um, I mean, obviously she sounds fabulous and I feel a real affinity with her already for reasons that anyone that knows me will um, <laughs> will back up. Um, are you, Rachel, an only child? Do you have siblings? I am an only child. Oh, hello. Snap. I'm an only child from a very small family as well. So when my mum died, I was left with 
um, my dad's uh, one aunt and two cousins, and that's it. So we're a very small, tight-knit family. That must be so interesting with the impact that it had, you know, because there's almost that there's almost something to be said for like, you know, the more the more people around you, the more you know shock to absorb shock absorption basically you know people can share that but when there's so few of you that must have been really intense it was it was hugely intense um and affected us all massively but we did have amazing friends don't get me wrong that doesn't mean we didn't have a support system um they who were also massively affected but I we couldn't have done it without them you know with my parents friends and um, they really rallied round and came through and helped us and still do to be honest they all still check in with me even though I'm a grown up and you know yeah grown up in inverted commas um, and yeah we had it was it was an amazing sport you know family's not always your family but yeah it's it when you have such a small family and you lose one it's very noticeable I'm sure it's noticeable in big families too but I just think you get very aware. I've I've got a whole thing about um with my dad and being an only child and I just recently have not been able to stop thinking about when he dies, like my family's gone, like my unit's gone. And I know I've got like amazing friends and I'll have my own family and I've got like my aunt and all that kind of, and I was like, Yeah, but and then so people tend to tell me this when I, you know, say things like that, you know, but I'm like, No, no, but but my family's gone. Like, you know, my house is gone. I cannot relate to that more Rach because the lovely thing is what people are trying to do there is say look at what you already have and it's like I'm not talking about what I already have I'm talking about what I stand to lose and that's not going to be substituted by what I already have and I had this it was a really really odd moment in lockdown where through some bizarre (sighs) I will try to make this story as short as possible short story uh my dad had someone get in touch with him on ancestry or like one of those things like that being like is so and so a relative of yours and he was like well that person you're referring to is my daughter's uncle and managed to sort of put me in touch with the person that this person was getting in touch with him on behalf of and she was like i have this baby book from like the 40s 50s that I found in the loft of my house and it's not our family she sent scanned photos to me and it was my uncle's baby book my mum's older brother so I have now in my possession like because she sent it to me and like what an absolute angel to not be like oh I don't know what to do with this but to actually like find the names in the baby book and try and find it and I was holding it and I was like I'm the last I'm the last of this line like, and to see photos of them without my mum as well, because it's before she was born. It was my grandparents' first first baby. And there was this, like, lock of his hair that was, like, vivid blonde still in it. And I was like, how how is that, like, well, like, as you can tell, speechless of just, like, touching his baby hair and being like, it's me. It's me. Oh God, what I realise that's the first time I've said that out loud to anyone other than my partner. Sorry, guys. Um, coming back to you, Rachel, and to Marion. I really identify with that very close and small family dynamic. And she sounds like an absolute firecracker. 
did you feel really close with her or kind of was it more like an even triangle between her and your dad and are they as is everyone still kind of able to kind of you know pour red wine themselves like what's the dynamic of your family now interesting um that this kind of comes up because I'm not saying I talk about it very much but my mum died when I was 15 right so I hated her because I was 15 do you know what I mean so this was a very intense time in our relationship um it's it's interesting because you can't go back you can't you know you can't go back that that is the way things were and I say I hated her with teenager Rachel in mind do you know what I mean like I'm you know um, didn't really but she I was 14 15 life wasn't fair I wasn't doing what she wanted in school I wanted to be with my pals I wanted to wear what I wanted and she just did not facilitate any of this and I think what gets me more now and I think that's why my grief is worse as an adult is because I am now suddenly realizing that like oh my god we would have got on now and that's that's probably the most hardest pill that I'll ever have to swallow you know and like I actually think it's harder than the usual about like oh she won't be at my wedding and she won't see my kids and all that and it's like those are the the classics but what's interesting what what matters more to me is like but what about what would we have been like now because I, we, I was so young and I and it, you know and, 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 it, and it took away a lot of things it took away a lot of like the goodbye stuff and the the illness so my mum had a really short intense battle with cancer so she was diagnosed five weeks before she died so it was like shock chaos you know there was no fairy tale and I say that in inverted commas as well but like you know of like oh it's coming to an end and we're going to write letters and we're going to do videos and we're going to there was there was none of that it was very traumatic and very quick and very headless chicken like esque and I think that's the only way I can kind of describe it and then all of a sudden it was done it was over and it was a shock and I wasn't there and it was just it was awful and I think kind of coming back round <laughs> to where you were at about like us being close and stuff it's like well we didn't we didn't really get a chance it was you know I, I like to tell myself that we would have been close now and I actually think we would have because every day I wake up and I'm like oh my god I'm more like her now and everyone tells me that I'm like her and I think that that helps because I know that because I'm not like my dad so I'm like well it must be I I think the 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 kind of line to take away from that is like I kind of wish I knew her better you know and I think coming to terms with the fact that even though it was my mum and you know who's meant to be closer like than mother and daughter but I was not the person on this earth that knew her the best. Do you know what I mean? Because I was a kid and I didn't, and I wasn't, I wasn't grown up enough to have those kind of levels with people. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we were close as mother and daughters can be at 15, but also we were very stereotypical and we fought like cat and dog. And that's the truth. And I want to be honest about that because I want people who might have a similar experience to not feel bad that they didn't have 
this amazing relationship, but not not you know not to the point of like we were, you know, we didn't have a bad relationship, but it was a classic kind of teenage day relationship, you know. Which is also like absolutely your right at your stage of development as a human being. If Trudes had died when I was fourteen, fifteen, yeah. oh my word, yeah, not good. New, 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 new. And again, I think sometimes even though we had our mums for a bit longer than than you and Marion had, Rach. Like, I think sometimes it's like, I almost want to sort of get across like how good Trudes and I relationships relationship was not perfect and not to sort of like over-rosify it and be quite upfront with like, well, there are things that I'm realizing about her now that she's dead, which isn't like a blame thing. It's more just like, understanding and things that are connecting and like thank you for sharing that because it's gonna help a lot of people I think I have a lot of forgiveness for her now like and nothing serious that's maybe a dramatic word for it but a lot of kind of like you know I've now grown up and I'm now an adult and then I think when you do grow up you see that grown-ups are actually just people and they're all they're not perfect and you're like, oh, and you can, and, and I understand her a lot more now. And I so wish that I had five minutes, you know, or a glass of red, probably. About the same amount of time. Probably. I was going to say, yeah, I could, <laughs> I could easily tank that. So Rachel, could you tell us a story about your mum? And it doesn't have to be like, you know, the pinnacle of your relationship. It can be a fight that you remember having or being really little and mucking about with her but basically a story that really comes to mind in this moment I think for me it, I don't have a lot I don't know if I've cut it out or a lot of I don't maybe I prefer not to open doors to it but when I think of stories of her I'm never there like I'm never kind of part of it so I don't have this kind of like thing of like us playing in the park or anything like that I tend to remember it as in I was watching her you know, sort sort of things like that. Because I think I was so young, like so, so, so young. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of trauma comes with that and it's a, it's a lot to unpack. But I think if you were to ask me like something about her, it's like I'm kind of on the outside looking in. It's something that always kind of comes to mind is that like, so my dad still lives in the family home that we lived in my entire life. And every time I walk in now it's like ghosts are dancing around me it's so crazy and there's it's all been renovated now you know 10 years later it looks completely different than it did but what I see all the time is that we had this dining room and that she loved party right like any excuse I was talking about this the other day about how she would like throw me birthday parties but like there would be like no children there just like just like her mates so it was like a good excuse to have everyone around and there was this dining table that we had, this big oak dining table. And, you know, things would be party, you know, party, party, party. And then, you know, it comes to the end of the night and it's kind of the last stragglers and everyone would kind of start sitting around the table, you know, all this stuff. And she would just, just didn't know, like, what her limit was at all, right? So she would get, like, she'd go, she, she loved to keep up with the boys. And um, they would, like, just, they would be on the brandy and all that and she, like, refused to, to give in, right? So, but instead of being like, right, guys, do you know what? I'm going to hit the hay. Like, you know, I'm going to take myself to bed. What she would do is, and 
in, in very hard fashion in the middle of the table, of course, would like just like put her head down on the table. Like she went for a wee nap. She was like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not leaving the room. My presence will stay. And I'm not actually going to be like awake. But was she hell going to bed? She would, she never gave in, like never. And then she would like appear at the end of the night, like, fine you know sit and have another one and all that kind of stuff but yeah that she just hit pause and she didn't give a shit so she didn't care what anyone thought of anything and I love that and I that's one of my favorite things about her and something I think we would laugh and do together now probably I'm also like this <laughs> do you put your head on the table not not quite at that stage yet I'm sure I'll get there yeah. <laughs> as a, as a to her. but I definitely am the person that's like not giving in I'm not I want to I want to feed a missing out here so yeah, that's probably something that I would that I would think about. I love that image of your mum just absolutely crashing at the table, getting up, pouring herself another one, and cracking on. Yeah, everyone would just stay. No one cared. Like no one even blinked. It was just her <laughs> party. The party continued. <laughs> so it's one question that that we ask, and I think this is going to be a really interesting one for you, having lost her so young. Is what worked and what didn't work and also like how has the passage of time changed what does and doesn't work because I don't think it's a I don't think it's a solid object I think that you know what might work when you're 15 doesn't work when you're 25 and vice versa yeah yeah well in terms of if you want to get like be real about it um something that really didn't work and I want to like really get this across to people who might be doing something like this just now when I talk about that time and when she passed people did not know what to do like I say it was very sudden very traumatic and I understand that now that it that it was super everyone was just doing their best right but when that all happened and you know there was kind of like arrangements made and all this kind of stuff and everyone was in the house you know everyone's in the house for the first few days and it's just chaotic and I remember going into her room and our friends and I don't know who what like you know that way I can't really remember what happened but on the radiator in her bedroom was this grey cardigan right and it was like her like house coat and she wore it all the time never got washed it was like a wrap brown sort of thing right but it smelled like her it was just her like wee house coat right and I remember going in and I was just like in a total daze and I remember thinking to myself all I want is that cardigan I'm just gonna get as long as I got and I don't know why it mattered so much to me I was like I just want the cardigan and I'm gonna take the cardigan and that's so I don't care about anything else but people were just trying to help and they were tidying and I went in and the cardigan wasn't there and people were just like clearing stuff and like putting stuff away and they thought they were helping and I don't know I don't like to pass a lot of judgment on this time because that might seem inappropriate but I don't know what conversations had been had do you know what I mean like that I don't want to throw anyone under the bus I'm sure that was an agreed thing and people weren't being bad and people didn't know what that cardigan was but if you want to say what didn't work for me it was that I went I am 11 years on and I am not over it I am mad about it (laughs) I would I want the cardigan and I don't know where it is it's in some charity shop somewhere no doubt or whatever but I never saw it again I never found it and if I was to give anyone any advice on what not to do is like double check anything and and, and don't forget the kids that's what I felt like I felt like 
I was forgotten. There was a lot of like, oh, poor Rachel, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like, what do you want? And not even just with clothes, just like arrangements, anything like that. You know, songs, flowers. What do you want to wear? Like, what what do you want? And I don't, maybe I did get asked, but I don't remember it that way. And I think that's it. It's what is kind of your lasting impression of that time. And my my heart is just like dropped through to my stomach at you describing that story because you're right people don't actually understand what is valuable like there's a very concrete idea of like well yeah your mum's jewelry but no to you the most precious thing was that cardigan it's the same with me like my stepdad absolutely followed your rule to the letter and he was like I'm not throwing anything out until you've definitely said it can go and like one of the things that is most precious to me is this uh children's book of stories that my mum read to me and it's tatty and it's not even like you know the fanciest but that was the book that was in her hands and that's why I always need to keep it and I'm really interested in what you were saying there in terms of the kind of concern without the involvement of you at 15 and because that is such a pertinent age because me now I'd be like oh yeah teenager but thinking back to how I felt in my head when I was 15 it's the oldest I've ever been and and on the brink of being an adult so what do you think to someone who is maybe trying to help like a a teen to what degree do you think the sort of involvement ideally would be that's that's something that I really am passionate about now and I do talk about with people because um I know something quite serious that happened after that was going back to school and this happened in July so I was off on summer holidays um, and the decision was made that I would return to school in the August again not really by me but by whoever decided that and what then happened very quickly after that which was complete protocol from the school was that I was put into some sort of grief counselling and it was too soon and it was just it was just protocol it was just that no one again no one did anything wrong everyone was just doing what they were told and everyone had their own stuff going on because it wasn't just me that lost someone do you know what I mean but that 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 then brought things up that they were not ready to be brought up so I was put into this um again if I was helping a child you have to look into things because I was put into a um, grief counseling group at school with people who'd lost parents and close family members like you know other pupils my school was quite big so there was like a few of us from a few year groups things like mums dads aunties that sort of thing but everybody was two years in sort of that kind of um that kind of vibe you know to at least a year at least a year at least two years or you know aunties and all this kind of thing um and my mom had died about a month before this so these people were saying all this stuff and I'm sitting there like, what? Like, I was like, what? So it was almost like, it was like, uh, without allowing me to actually feel it, I already felt stuff that wasn't meant to come yet. Do you know what I mean? So then I then I think my mental health took a huge blow. Also, obviously at 15 as well, you're all over the place. You're very prone to depression and mental health issues and all this kind of stuff. So I just totally plummeted um, very quickly. And I am of the strong belief that I wouldn't have if, if that hadn't happened I'm not saying I wouldn't have but I just maybe wouldn't have to that point and it really messed 
things up for me in quite a big way um and that's something that I think you know I think just talk to them I, you know they, they kept trying to like the school and kind of family and kind of, they, they were trying and they but they put you into these things and I went to this like weekend away for I don't even know what it was for and I'm like why didn't I know what it was for it was some sort of like you know teenage like reprobates or something I don't know but like the all these people and they were all sitting there like with all this trauma and at the, the time I didn't even know the meaning of that word because it was so new and so fresh but what I would say is um you need to I, if I had to if I had to summarize it I would say probably you need to back off you need to let let me feel how I'm going to feel about things and what I'm going to feel about things let's not everybody's different so I don't think things work for everyone you know the kind of standardized things but again it took me a long time to recover from what happened to me by people trying to help me that is absolutely devastating and fascinating and it just you know it's like the bureaucracy that comes along with like death and being part of I um that just brought back so much stuff because when I was at university I was at university in my final year my mum died they put me in a bereavement group and I was still in that like adrenaline fueled like I'm fine I'm fine yeah like why are you all so upset about your parents that have died like years ago like I was like look at me I'm fine I'm at university I'm thriving like and haven't eaten in weeks I'm so thin <laughs> like do you know what I mean like life's good <laughs> yeah I remember just and I remember them being like and I actually made a friend from it and we're still friends. And I remember having that, how are you so okay? And I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do yet. Because it was, it was longer than yours, but it was maybe only 10 weeks. And it was, um, and then it was, it was like adrenaline and then there's trauma, but you don't, no one talked about the trauma at the time. Um, and I was just like in this weird haze of like, I'm doing my dissertation. I'm going to get a first. Like, I'm a strong woman. And everyone talks about how resilient she was. And I'm going to be resilient. And at the time, I wasn't ready to be vulnerable. I just wanted to crack jokes and actually crack on with this hot guy that was there as well. Um, and I remember like just really being like, I can use this bereavement group to shag this bloke. <laughs> And like, that is like, no, you know, now that would be a complete, I mean, actually different now. But if I'd done that, when I really needed that was, you know, a year, a year and a half later when I was really starting to process stuff. But at the time, they're just like, oh, bereaved child, go to the group. Yeah, it's, it's interesting um, because I I do like to talk about it a lot now because I'm I, in the hope that someone says something at one point you know because it was it really and I truly 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 believe if things hadn't happened that way the next five years would have been different of what happened after that and it it started a lot of stuff and I'm not saying that wouldn't have happened anyway but you know in terms of like I had a lot of mental health problems um right up until I was like 21 so you're talking like years and years of battles and, and trauma and extra trauma on top of dead mum trauma like you know because of all that and I, I'm not saying it's because I went to that bereavement group at school but things like that I think um I should have taken some time I think I should have been asked if I wanted to take some time um but I didn't know what I wanted and probably because I said that they were like okay but I think if I was to give any advice it's like give them a second 
don't don't treat them like a child because in that moment you're no longer a child I, I, I truly believe if you lose a parent at you know that kind of age you are thrust into adulthood very quickly because not every other if you you might not have another parent or the other parent also falls apart and you don't have a choice you know so and I didn't have siblings or anything and I but I did have again I'll reiterate a great sports system don't get me wrong I was never in any you know not poor Oliver Twist or anything but but um, I think there's a lot to be said for I think people underestimate children of that age or children that have lost parents they're probably got a lot more going on than you think they do up there you know absolutely because it's just so formative like you say like I ideally we get to sort of become adults with our parents and then look after them and and we're all well sort of down the the lifeline as it were to do that so and it's such a formative cleaving experience losing your mum but to have it when you are still forming yourself of course I completely get you it completely it completely shaped me as a person and I and I this is something I battle with quite a lot is like I like who I am now and what's really hard to swallow about that is like would I be this person if she didn't die I think about that all the time and I've recently got to a place and I'm like you know what I'm a good person I've made a good life in spite of this big thing that happened to me when I was much younger but how would my life would be different would it be really easy what would I get worried about I wouldn't you know I'd be in a completely different position would I live where I live would I have met someone yet because I had not processed you know because I didn't have the trauma to process which holds me back from meeting people in relationships would my friendships be as strong would blah 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 no idea the what if is so big isn't it because I I don't know about the two of you but I found that in the wake of uh, Trudes's departure that my boundaries are simultaneously like so much stronger than they've ever been and yet maybe not my boundaries but like my emotions or like my capacity for sort of compassion and empathy is like so much more porous and I always thought that I was like an empathetic person and now I'm like oh no that was barely the surface of it but I also find that I'm putting up with a lot less do you do you find that as well yeah I think I'm I think I'm, I'm a lot more aware of things definitely more of an empath than I maybe would have been if that sort of thing didn't happen I don't know if there's much worse things that can happen to people to be honest so you know it's one of those things I think about it still 11 years on every single day probably if I and if I don't I think about how I've not thought about it today yes yep 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 so that's that's also another thing but yeah in terms of yeah yeah it's a it's a lot to unpack there Emily it's a it's a a big one that's a (laughs) the whole who you are as a person because of this is a huge question and I'm not sure it's one that I've quite got the answer to yet I'm still I'm still processing it I think it's it shaped me as a person I like who I am as a person because of it I think I can give a lot to people because of it especially now coming into an age where people actually are losing parents and you know kind of into this kind of late 20s sort of situation where um those kind of things are happening to people even people losing grandparents you know that kind of thing is like 
oh yeah you'll you'll be you'll be all right but at the same time I sometimes maybe have a bit of a lack of sympathy because of it um maybe because like you know they'll say you know maybe one of my friends will mention oh so-and-so's like dad died or so-and-so's mum died and they're so like horrified by this like they're like can you believe that and I'm like well yeah because it happens it happened to me I was like, yeah, it happened to me, and it was like, you know, like whatever. Like, it's, but it's, I'm not at all like that as a person. But do you know what I mean? It's almost like that little voice in the back of your head being like, oh yeah, like that's another day at the office. Like, yeah, because you learn to live with it. The grief is such a part of you, and that like when grief is such a shock for people, because people can get to like thirty and never have lost the grandparent or whatever, and then it really hits you over the head. I remember just thinking in a way there's there's a tiny sense of relief that I just never have to go through it again I will never have to go back and do that again and I know what you mean in terms of uh, not always having the sympathy I had to have a quite a stern talk with myself a few weeks ago because I was realizing I was not being particularly compassionate to various people for various reasons because I'm like when I sort of start to get into a into a stress or a faff there is now the golden question in my mind which is is this anywhere near the same as the day your mum died, Emily? I'm like, no. And then that tends to kind of take the edge off of it. And when people don't, and the problem is, is that I'm not someone who's like, you know, comparison is the thief of joy and it's also a thief of compassion. But sometimes it can be really difficult hearing about, you know, customer service things as well. I haven't worked in customer service for a really long time, but when you think about what people are levying with each other right now, and I'm like, you fucking kidding me is that is that the thing that's really but more often than not that's probably the tiny thing that set off everything and it's not necessarily what that anger's meant to be but yeah I I had to be like Emily calm down and and just meet meet these people where they are so I'm really sorry to hear that oh bless you oh it's fine no that one no that's what I'm saying to you that's what I'm saying to people (laughs) yeah that's what I have to to talk to myself and be like very sorry to hear that and I'm like (laughs) I don't know it's a, that's that's a really interesting one about you know your tolerance for things makes you a little like I always thought I was pretty cold as a person um because of it which you know I always called myself heartless and all that kind of stuff but recently I've been kind of trying to get over that a little bit and I was kind of in this stage of being like I don't need anybody I'm independent I've always been like that because I'm an only child anyway and um you know, but actually recently I've been really letting myself kind of be like, well, you know, it's all right. It's all right to talk about it. It's all right to not be okay about it. I think last year on the 10 year anniversary, I um, I wrote something um, and I kind of put it on Facebook because, you know, like all the mums are on Facebook, right? Like all the, I, I don't really, the, the only people that are on Facebook are like people who you call your auntie, but it's your mum's pal, right? And I felt like with 10 years going past, I was aware of it, it going past unnoticed and I was like do you know what like I'm gonna I felt I just really felt a craving to say something I felt a craving to write something and I did like a kind of like little dedication post with a couple of pics not really not it's not really like me but and I was so glad I did it so I posted it right and like 300 people liked it and then all these people who totally came out the woodwork started commenting on it with all these stories of my mum being like oh I remember like that night and I remember she was a great neighbor she was a great friend her hairdresser commented on it saying like I loved seeing her on Saturdays and all this kind of stuff 
And I was like, oh my God, like it shouldn't be something that's hidden away or like, you know, so I always thought, oh my God, I never put anything on social media because I don't want people to think I'm like wanting attention, like, or oh, I'm so sorry, Rachel, like cause I'm so over all that. But like, I'm so happy I did it because, and, and actually I, I still go on, it, that was a year ago nearly, and I still go and look at it all the time and look at all the comments. It's like a kind of fresh look on it all. It's it's amazing. It's been so nice. So, you know, don't, don't feel bad to let yourself kind of want, want a little bit of it sometimes, you know. And that's beautiful because you spoke first and that gave license and permission for everyone to really commemorate her and obviously commemorate memory, all of that. And I feel like that is a beautiful note to come to our final question which is what do you wish that you could tell people or, you know, is there a question that you wish we would have asked you? I think the main thing is that like, you'll be fine is probably the kind of thing I would take away from it. Like you may not feel that like you're going to be fine, but you will be fine. And you, <sighs> I need to, I want to think about this properly, but like, what happened happened and I think you should let yourself feel what you want to feel and not what everyone tells you you should you should feel but also look ahead don't be afraid to live your life don't feel guilty for going ahead don't feel guilty because it's only been three months and you're now on holiday like you know don't feel bad that you had a nice Christmas don't feel bad that you didn't think about her yesterday you know just she is fine and you are fine and you know no one can ever take away like what you had you know so you know enjoy the memories and just get on keep going take her with you you know I think that's probably what I'd want to to say to people you know don't bask in it like just walk with it that was beautiful I agree Take her with you. I love that. Thank you, Rachel. No worries. And thank you so much for coming on, Rachel. It's been such a joy to speak to you and get to know you and hear about your mum and talk about, like, you've been so open and raw and honest and really, really appreciate it. No, it's been fab. Thank you for having me. It's nice to talk about it. Thank you for listening to the Mother of All Losses podcast. This episode was produced by Chris Thorburn. Music by Kane Aris, who can be found at Atom Collection 2 on SoundCloud. With huge thanks to Hannah Trevathan. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on themotheroforlosses at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, take care of yourselves and your grief.